0: Welcome to the Digital Transformer podcast, your number one podcast on digital innovation, transformation, and venture building. We help entrepreneurs and corporate innovation leaders like you gain the knowledge and skills you need to build the leading digital businesses of your industry. My name is Kilian Karas, and today I talk to Michael muller CEO of Otto, During his tenure, Michael successfully transformed Otto from catalog to platform business, and with that led one of the few truly successful digital business model expansions in Europe. Today, the platform business already makes up 30% of Otto's business revenue and Michael for his successes has been named CAO of the year. In today's episode, we talk about the secret behind Otto's corporate innovation structure how to master technology-driven innovation and successfully identify the next digital business field of your organization, and how to build a product-driven organization that outcompetes the market. So with no further ado, let me welcome Michael. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share. Awesome to have you, Michael. Uh When we last spoke, you mentioned a point that I absolutely agree with. You said that hardly any corporate really has created... Sustainable digital businesses or businesses that business units out of their innovation potentials that have a real PNL impact. And auto is actually really one of the very few examples that succeeded in doing so and continues to do so. 27 years ago, auto uh, started with the first shift towards digital. 12 years ago, it became a major focus. And these days, online makes up basically all of the revenues, uh, the business, the platform business alone that you've created a couple of years back, where it makes 30% revenue. So the natural question is, what does Otto do differently?
1: Well, hi, Kilian. I believe that one of the key ingredients was that the owner and the overall decision maker, uh, Dr. Michael Otto, took the initiative to understand what technology can contribute to the business roughly 27 years ago, as you mentioned. And he encouraged us as managers, and I'm just doing now for eight years, to continue on the thought that there will be a shift in doing business over time. And he also uh, encouraged us not to give up and to try the utmost to understand the levers the key success factors how by the end of the day we can be successful in the market and with the end customer the end consumer so having a person as somebody who is completely entrepreneurial in the way of thinking business and demographic developments is for me the one and first major uh, success factor that there is a strong belief, though, and I can cite him on that. He also in these days and those days ha- ha- has no idea how this whole might end mm. you know, for natural reasons. <laughs> how, how should you, when you start the idea roughly three decades, just think of okay, Thirty years ago, the second That's one, impressive. maybe the second one, is that he was not afraid to try out and also give the the room and the freedom to the senior managers, new ideas, technology, concepts. Mm. So he he always stated that doing business as a continuous transformation process. Which it is. And, and we don't know yet how this will end, but what we are somehow sure about is that if we are not eager and curious enough, that might end not nicely for business.
0: Absolutely. I think you touched upon a very crucial point. I think it's this notion of having, let's say, top management buy-in that's ultimately you need that conviction and you need to provide the people with the freedom and to encourage them even autonomy. I think that's also something we're going to touch upon later to to take those risky decisions that then, let's say, actually give the basis for any type of innovation success. So what I found interesting is that when we last spoke, you said that structurally ingrained in the organization, there are two major... Components, so to speak, that ultimately also propel innovation in in the auto which are notably a venture clienting model, and the product. And you mentioned that the organization is set up in a way that's very product focused. And I'd like to dive a bit more into that and to understand how that is structured in detail, because I think that to me, having let's say also talk to a lot of different organizations, is something that is quite unique in the, in the way it's set up. And I think it has a lot of insightful potential for our audience as well. so how's the organization set up precisely the innovation organization?
1: Well, the brand the auto platform brand consists of more than five thousand employees nowadays. so we are we, we do have a size organizationally speaking, and we are not any longer a startup setup up and that setup of that organization had been very functionally efficiency driven by by tradition and by, by heritage. So we, we had a sales department, purchase department, and then and, and what we learned over the period of time and also seeing what is happening in the entrepreneurial arena, when you want to be successful also in new client groups, customer groups, you need to have a different approach, being more customer-driven, not so much inward-oriented, efficiency-oriented, rather being customer-led and, well, customer and consumer-passionated. And one of the elements what we learn out of the entrepreneur startups with the idea of the two pizzas and the product orientation is that you develop an idea and then you act fast and you try out, you have MVPs and so on. So what we did is we transformed to some extent our organization from a functional efficiency driven business setup into a product oriented business and organizational setup in order to achieve that the uh, products do have an autonomy to gain the utmost on customer satisfaction, customer uh, experience and have very much direct feedback from market or from consumers of our services, of our infrastructure. So the to to change from efficiency driven steady into a world where VUCA, so volatility for instance, uncertainty and an N does play a huge role. We managed to develop a new culture and a new habit to tackle problems coming from the market, but also inward. So product orientation and our business model, which we have uh, described in, in so-called business capabilities, consists of roughly 120, 130 products and product families who do have a huge amount of autonomy. So, this is one ingredient which you mentioned correctly and that was the first step of our transformation path and what so, i would also well, always recommend to bigger corporations or mid-sized companies to gain an understanding how you can be mar- more market driven consumer oriented customer led on one way and so this a of- way you need to have an alignment over these autonomous Somehow independently acting product teams who do have an idea how their product, their responsibility can be perceived in the market, that you need that kind of alignment on one hand. And I maybe we, I will elaborate on that a little bit later. Now I will come to the second point. Our business capabilities are constantly evolving due to market demands, um, internal requests, and an end. And we were thinking of, why do we have to invent everything by our own? Maybe we can integrate in our business ecosystem partners who do have smart innovative solutions. And for that, we started a unit called a Venture Client Unit where our business community out of these 120, 130 product families constantly review their demands and their, their product visions and requests and talk to the venture client unit, whether they not could screen and observe the market, whether they are not interesting, innovative solutions created by startups, researchers, scientists, who could fit into our ecosystem. And that process that we try by this to become maybe the first or the one of the most important customer of these ventures, these entrepreneur activities, which are operated outside, out of our legal entity and we don't have any shares, do allow us to gain all the capacities out of the venture crowd which is globally existing or in your region or on your continent or wherever you think of. And we have learned over the last couple of years when we have started to establish that idea that in many areas, be it technology, when it comes to security, when it comes to packaging, when it comes to new consumer approaches, that there might be ideas uh, which can be provided by these external ventures and instead of doing financial investments, buying shares and whatever, we just said, well, we want to be your customer. Hmm. So that's a venture client idea. So we are the clients of these ventures and we help them to grow. And by that also develop their products and their product addition. This allows us to gain a lot of innovative ideas and energy into our business ecosystem and not having huge investment discussions which you normally have when you create all these kind of venture activities. And yes, it might be that after two or three or five years, you, you decide that you terminate that business relation or it might be that you do an investment or whatever, but it provides you far more flexibility Rather than doing this, what is normally done, well, can you not finance our business for external activities? No, it, in the first moment of time, when you start that engagement, they gain or they create business benefits, which are valuable for Otto, the Mm. digital platform. And that's a kind of sexy thing, uh, which helps us in all areas that we really solve real world business problems. So uh, we, we are not looking for a problem for a solution, which had been developed by a company, a venture. No, we have real world problems out of our business activities where we, for one reason or the others do not have the capacities, the capabilities to do it on our own and for that, the venture client unit which is part of our innovation management in, in, in general, is us taking the lead on that and is managing the relationship and to also to help small entities uh, which can do have maybe five, ten employees or maybe only two founders, that we help them to grow their business idea with us. And we do have a solution, which is great and exciting.
0: I think that's super interesting. So, so to sum it up, so essentially you have categorized all your products into different teams. So you have independent teams working on those products. And once they identify a need where they say, Hey, this is something that I cannot solve internally with my resources. They reach out to this venture client and team says, Hey guys, this is the problem we face. Could you look outside of the box or outside in the market? Is there something that could help us overcome that? And then if there is, you first, let's say, create a loose liaison. Yep. And then over time, as you see, hey, this could become intre- or more interesting, or this is actually something where we want to really focus on, you then can grab shares or what or if you terminate it, if you don't if you realize hey, this is actually not so valuable. And way, you have a relatively low risk factor and a very high upside on both sides actually. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's very curious so how do you then and diving here a bit deeper because i think it's an interesting point right you you said that a couple of years back you identified that the, that the natural evolvement of your business model is a platform mm. and recently so you, you built that platform recently right now you launched banking services on top right now you're let's say expanding the the platform through life shopping and these are all, let's say, aspects you've identified in the markets which you deem very important, and very su- like for, ver- for various reasons, and we can touch upon these in a second. Now, what I'd like to understand is how does your organization then identify exactly those digital business opportunities, be it, in this case, the banking service, be it life shopping, and so on.
1: Well, as we have. Evolved and it was really an evolutionary, not a revolutionary and not a disruptive process from analog catalog based retail activity. And this is how the founders of the auto group, Werner Auto, in the year 1949 has established that business that there's a traditional retail value chain. You buy products or create products, you store them and then you sell them to an end consumer base. Uh, We have developed that retail business and expanded it and said, okay, if we do see the demand out in the market, then an assortment of those days, some when 1 million SKUs, Mm -hmm. 1 million distinct articles, there, there is a need maybe to have 10 million or twenty millions, and you can not create that all by your own. Why don't we partner and use our digital reach, which we meanwhile had established and provide that digital reach to partners, participate and serve through their offerings towards the consumer into an, an expanded and enhanced and enlarged uh, user experience. So and by that we learned that there are more necessities in the sense of logistics services, financial services and so on. And that you can create a value for the consumer and you can expand your own business value creation when you take over these business activities on your own. And we saw that in the digital finance market, payment is a very valuable business proposition when you are a digital platform. So you just not only create a contract to order a product, but you also finance that contract, that sales process. And for that we. And and as banking and financing, meanwhile, is not any longer something where you are brick and mortar. It's a a core digital business because it's numbers which you are exchanging. You can do this really as a smart digital business thing. And when we established that company, I thought actually our payment activity is a piece of software. Hmm. So you can, yeah, you have a huge scalability, yes, you need some upfront investments, you have a regulatory environment with the authorities. But by the end of the day, if you do it smart, it can scale quite easily, and you don't have to build a factory, you don't have to create a warehouse, and at the end, it's a piece of software right. and And so we added to our digital retail and assortment platform, these kinds of asset-light activities with the capability as we meanwhile are not only any longer a retail business, but we are also uh, incorporating digital capacities, i.e. software developers, business analysts, AI specialists, and, and, and. But we said, okay, with these capacities, with these core ingredients, we do have the capacity to create a digital offering through payment service or financial service. Mm. So that was on one hand, a business opportunity. And the other thing, what you have mentioned live shopping, which is adding an additional user experience when um, looking for products and when you want to shop, uh, we learned that, especially with a specific consumer segment who does have interest in interacting digitally with with you as a platform, that live shopping can be a good sales approach. Selling our more than meanwhile um, eleven million, close to twelve million SKUs, which we are offering through our platform and to provide explanation on, on technical products or to come up with, uh, with the uh, outer exp- appearance when you wear uh, clothes, uh, skirts or when it's a suit for men. Or, or, or. So the live shopping experience was at the very first beginning an integration of that sales idea and marketing idea on our platform and helped on specific moments during the week to have an additional marketing and sales initiative. What we then learned is that this is not only helping us to provide new sales opportunities towards end consumers, but it also does provide an opportunity for uh, manufacturers and brands. To have a platform to show up their products, hmm. and so we generated actually a new revenue stream in the in the way that we provided a marketing space uh, where they can establish their way on presenting their products, their offerings, in their way how they want to the the brand appear with the end consumer or the the user of the product and mm. all in a sudden out of an sales approach idea, which is a digital product by photography and filming and influencer marketing, we created a marketing spot and that is mi- meanwhile so digitized and automated that is scalable to provide it through an auction platform to brands and We generate marketing income streams Mm. through that idea. So, and, 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 and that was nothing what we had in mind at the very first beginning, we were just courageous saying, okay, there is an idea, there's a technology approach on doing this kind of, uh, of sales approach, live, uh, live shopping. And then we again, constantly evolve that MVP into a mature product, mm. which has now a, a multi phase multi-dimensional revenue chance. and uh, and as we do have people and, and and as I stated, it's a product in itself.
0: Mm.
1: So again, we were looking who can provide a solution for our live shopping. We do integrate it. And then we constantly um, evolve it in in a way that the consumers who are on Auto.de are happy with the the consumer experience.
0: And looping back to what you said originally with respect to identifying those opportunities in the first place, Mm. was that something that your product-focused teams said, hey, I see an opportunity, for instance, uh, in live shopping because there's a trend in Asia. Well, the venture climbing team identified, Hey, there's this trend. Let's try it out. Or was that something like, how, how did you go about? Because there are so many opportunities out there right now, right? Like you just mentioned a couple more can add also technically logistics services to the portfolio and so on and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to build this platform into a massive, massive thing, how do you then go ahead or how did you go about identify which are let's say the most urgent or most relevant topics to focus on first?
1: Well but but by the end of the day it's a kind of portfolio prioritization process. So you're saying okay there is a bunch of ideas on the table and then we as board or maybe a a little wider round of senior executives that has a discussion on where do we see the biggest levers, the opportunities to enhance our business. But this is kind, kind of very traditional, right. um, Kai. Okay, let's evaluate as we do have also limited resources, be it people, be it fine, uh, money, uh, financing these activities, Kai. Okay, out of these hundred, let's go for the ten and give them a chance. And as we have maybe developed in a different way than other companies, We know when we do it fast and we do it kind of low key, if we think it as an MVP, and if we do have the courage also to stop activities and saying, it's not working, then you are in a constant innovation mode, so to say. I can give you an example. Roughly four and a half, five years ago, there was a big hype on IoT internet of things and again the team created a solution and we hooked up to our iot services um dishwashers um uh, washing machines where and uh, coffee machines where you normally need all these refills Mm -hmm. so and the iot solution was that we identify via sensors or by either means that there is uh a a refill order necessary. What we learned that consumers do not like to be that much connected to an external world, to data privacy, to convenience, to whatever, Mm. that, that there is not really an recognizable business existing. And we also talked to strong brands, the Bosch, Siemens, Haushalts, Geraita, Samsung who have seen in a similar way also that trend, having connected environments. But meanwhile, we all have have learned and we have tried it out that at the moment of time, this is not the right time that this is will become an established product. And so you either withdraw or you correct your approach. And that's also something what, what is today not any longer a disaster within an organization if you fail in your idea. Mm. So we take it as a learning opportunity, but of course, we also had been socialized over decades in a very traditional business operation and steering model, failure is not an option. So there was also decades ago not the mentality but with again a stakeholder like uh, Dr. Michael Otto in the background who encouraged you to be entrepreneurial and to have an entrepreneurial behavior we learned that rather doing fast and MVP and learning than discussing for years on solutions in the lab yeah then become entrepreneur, Then right. being a theoretic number cruncher, never experience the real world and the real life. And and that's just a kind of also very, very important ingredient that you need to create that mindset starting from the board members, from the senior executives, from the line managers, that there is trust within the organization, if you fail, that this actually will be celebrated as a learning experience, rather than a disaster of your career.
0: And I think what helps in this regard very much is the way you set up this, I, I call it OKR cycle. Yeah. Um, you have those three months, rate where you say, okay, let's give these products a shot and then they can prove themselves. And if they hit particular milestones during that time. They then, let's say, get the next three months to continue okay. proving themselves, and if by that point they prove not to be viable in any sort, then you discontinue that project and give another project, uh, or yeah, other project team, so to speak, the opportunity to bring their ideas to yeah the testing bench. <laughs> and yeah, great. And 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 you are totally right. This three months period
1: which are meanwhile established throughout the whole organization. So it's not something what is only applied in the tech organization. No, we as board members, the four of us, every three months we sit together with our organization on Science. Okay, what is what do we have in mind what we need to achieve within the next three months? Of course it can also last two months. That the three months is a kind of guaranteed period. And let's discuss what could be in the sense of definition of done, the tangible result which we would like to evaluate. And and this we have meanwhile practiced for 20 iterations of three months. And if you count it in your head, you see that this is an exercise over years which we have refined and refined constantly which provides us... Uh, the capacity and the capability as an organization to be a little bit more courageous um, and uh, a a little bit more entrepreneurial. Um, And still we do have our corporate obligation. So when you have maybe to change for compliance reasons, the overall setup, then we all know within the three months we can't be autonomous in our product teams. No, we need to be aligned. Mm. That we then achieve a change in processes or in 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 business um, activities. And that is, um, yeah, that's a cultural element which needs to be learned by an organization. Again, starting with the body of the uh, the board, but also with the senior managers, that they. Uh, that they also can live with these kinds of uncertainty what will come next after three months. When I have studied my business career some decades ago, we were talking about three, five, sometimes even 10 years of planning cycles. Now we are talking, well, if one year can be stable, we will be lucky and foreseeable. So yes, these are the mechanisms of rolling forecasts and which is all known, but. By the end of the day an organization can be very lucky and happy if they do have the capacity to deal with these vuka elements mm. again volatility uncertainty and an end
0: and i think you illustrated super well that like there's these two elements going together right this product focused organization that ultimately brings out the this edge when it comes to quickly identifying problems, then like this additional venture client unit that helps to bridge those problems by the help of what's outside in the market. And then doing so in an iterative circle of three months where you define clearly what the outcomes are, you give certain products a chance to evolve, either they work or that fail and thus enhance massively your chances of success while staying agile, while stay, staying also t- attentive to the to the developments in the market. I think that's, that's a super interesting process altogether. Now, looking into the future and right now, seeing that you developed uh, this platform model, you had the banking integration, you had the, 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 the life shopping that you integrated right now. What do you see are the biggest challenges and trends at the moment in your market and what are the natural business model extensions that you see are resulting for you out of that?
1: Well, as we are in the consumer market, I believe that serving our world, serving our ecological future will be the key challenge for all of us so maybe there had been times where we have not yet fully considered and evaluated our ecological impact doing business this will be for me the utmost important challenge which we have to solve so what what we need to understand and to be be more certain and transparent on it is what is our impact ecological footprint on doing business and also doing business meaning how do we operate our business with all the digital means and we know that there's a huge energy consumption for digital infrastructures. Topic IT sustainability, but also that we say okay when we sell products that we are fully aware on their or it, the impact of these sold products in our environment so circularity is one of the key questions that we do not sell products and they are used once and then they are destroyed uh, whatever no we need to have an understanding on repairing products doing having more sustainable solutions and to gain transparency on these activities is for me one of the key challenges so that we at least provide a database for the responsible consumer if he want to make responsible consumption that he does have sufficient data pa- uh, data points to undertake it, uh, his yeah. and her decision. And. Also to have it besides pricing and services, also as a part of decision dimension, what it means to have a kind of responsible commerce in place. We as a provider of products and services need to provide the the data and the information that consumers uh, can take conscious decisions whether they want to make also the difference as we want to do it. And, and and that needs to be understood within our organization and it needs to be transported and communicated into the market that this is, at least for the digital platform, one of the most relevant questions which we need to solve.
0: mm mm-hmm. So talking about traceability along the supply chain, talking about uh, possibly renting models or any type of other, let's say models that um, maybe reduce consumption or longevity of product or enhance longevity of product, and circularity, as you mentioned, are are there, I'm just curious, are there already specific projects you're working on right now that you're able to share?
1: Well, for instance, um. What I have undertaken from a digital perspective, we do have a measurement that we understand our CO2 footprint on our digital infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So running the business Auto de, I know the CO2 footprint of the last year For, of all employees, of all servers, of all softwares, of all data points, mm. and so on. So now the question is, can we halve the efforts and have a similar outcome? So what do we have to undertake once we have now a kind of zero base and say, okay, this is the starting point of our journey. So how can we enhance our CO2 footprint and the ecological impact? And that also needs, awareness programs for our architects, our developers, that they are more conscious on this dimension and not only thinking, how can I provide the next features and functions of the digital platform? Now, what would it mean? And there are are research um, results in place that we, for instance, know if you use a no-code, low-code environment, that does have a different, the worse footprint than if you would other software development environments. And now you have to, yeah, somehow to balance whether you like to use a no code, low code environment for the sake Setup's of better and faster, right. consumer experience, or if you like to enhance your CO2 footprint, mm. this is one very recent activity. And there are numerous others where we are thinking of how we can play that role, being a responsible digital platform in the sense of that we are fully aware that we do have an impact on our ecological future of the globe. And it's not less than the globe. And this is a place where we all want to live not only the next five years, no, for uh, many more uh, centuries to come.
0: I think that's a perfect place to end this with this inspirational message. Michael, thanks a lot for having joined me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I hope to see you soon.
1: Thank you, Kilian. Great talking to you.